Welcome to the show. It's House of Decline. Uh, my name is Steven. Uh, Alex is here. Hi. Uh, so, I got some things. I got some things to talk about. I got a list. Um, first off, announcements. First change of clothes of the pandemic for me today. Um, second announcement. Um, I'm tired of hearing about Easter. What do you do? You, like, kind of, kind of <laughs> fuck Easter. What do you think? Um, these goddamn Easter devils are 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 shoving their eggs in our faces, and we aren't going to have it anymore. Um, I don't know what that means. <laughs> oh, but. The resurrection, yeah, buddy. When I can get an erection, all all bother me about the resurrection. Okay. Solve my erectile dysfunction. Yeah. Before I well, care about um, Jesus, you know. I, I think that was a South Park joke or something. I didn't have to hear about Easter basically until I got back on Twitter. Um, so I'm kind of pissed at Twitter because I went what are like four saying? years. I just I went. I mean, today like someone's ironically <laughs> liking Newt Gingrich and Callista Gingrich talking about Holy Week and Easter, and I get that. Okay, it's ironic, but I had four years of not thinking about Holy Week and Easter, which was fantastic. <laughs> Uh, we had recently in on the Jewish side of things, we had Passover, which is known as Jewish Easter. <laughs> is it? I thought no, it was more like it's not. It's it's about Moses parting the Red Sea and leading the Jews from bondage in Egypt, even though there is no historical record of the Jews actually being enslaved in Egypt. Oh boy, um, well, Egypt. The historiography of the Jews in Egypt is very it's spotty, but we we we, we participate in the tradition anyway because we love it because it's Jewish Easter. <laughs> it's um, when Jewish Jesus was Egypt very topical. Yeah, <laughs> Egypt's very uh, what, topical right now. I mean, uh, uh, you know, Suez is blocked up. It's got a mm-hmm. got a, a blockage, and. Yeah. Um, uh, the villages that are like around it have nothing, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. <laughs> so they just see like this mountain of containers, um, <laughs> and they're like, they're like, man, wish we could get some of that. <laughs> mm. You think looting's gonna start soon? I would loot. What do you think are in the containers? You know, just you know, oh, Funko yeah. Pops. A little bit of everything. Like a little, <laughs> it's like a Noah's Ark. It's of consumerism. Oh, wonderful! Two of every product, right? And they fuck. Ooh, that's a good idea. We should make products able to reproduce. No, they would never do that because then you know you could uh, you could there would be resale issues unless they did DRM on the product babies. But then like the little PS5 babies would gain. You mean copyright and, and patents? Yeah. DRM on the products. Okay. Hmm. Anyway, Easter. I've had enough of Easter. I may have to log off of Twitter because I keep getting reminded of it. What? What's remind? Who's reminding you of Easter? People. I, like Is I was Liz saying, Liz Brunig making making Easter treats for her yes. for her gay children. Yes. That's don't insult <laughs> the children. Yes, she is making Easter <laughs> treats. <laughs> what is is something going on with the Brunigs? Are they canceled again? I can never keep yes. up with the zeitgeist on the Brunigs. Yes, they're both canceled right now. How did how, how did they end up in free speech jail? <laughs> um, Liz Brunig uh, uh, falsely implied someone should not be allowed around children. 
because they uh, were saying that they would let their 12 year old get a tattoo and Liz Burning. Oh, Noah Berlatsky. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that guy? Yeah, but that's funny. Liz was being very funny there. That was a funny joke. Well, whatever. She's canceled. And Matt is uh, canceled well. for the um, uh, picture of Xi Jinping sprinkling COVID uh, on the world. That was also very funny. Canceled. Did these people not realize these, pe- these these this weird Catholic and atheist are very funny people? Yeah, some people do. They're, they have defenders. Yeah. I mean, my defenders are, they win me over because they can, you know, they can crack wise, you know, that's, I find that to be an attractive quality in people, being able to crack wise and whatnot. Well, that leads me to our third topic of the day, which is snitching. (laughs) Are we, do you think we've- Who's been snitching? Do you think we've become a snitch culture? Uh... some people i think some there's as much a reaction to the snitch culture as there is a snitch culture and uh who are we really snitching on to who i think it's good to snitch on nazis i like it when like okay all the charlottesville people lost their jobs well, i thought that was pretty cool there's this lady who called this boy's school because mm-hmm. he posted a, a a fat joke on tiktok and the joke mm-hmm. that he posted was, I know that 97% of women say they've experienced sexual assault is false or sexual harassment is false because mm-hmm. I know that more than 3% of women are fat, implying mm-hmm. that they're not desirable because they're fat. So this mm-hmm. lady, this lady, <laughs> oh God, that's bad. <laughs> this lady called his school. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, what do you? Well, what about that? Is that good or bad? That's an escalating. Well, I will give you the Marxist or materialist take on it, which is the fact that people's livelihoods are tied to their professions in the first place is why it is a problem. You know, if we had UBI, you would be able to censure a person, but because they would still be getting, you know, a basic amount of income to cover their expenses, it wouldn't matter that they were fired from their job. So, you know, it, because we force people into livelihoods uh, and we make them dependent on that, and because it's easy to lose that if you don't have a point of view which conforms uh, which, you know, is good sometimes. I'm glad people lose their job when they're Nazis or fucking pedophiles, uh, like Reddit person recently. Yeah. Was that another topic on your list? No, I left that one off, um, but we, I guess we could go over it. Uh, I mean, that's a, it's a fairly controversial issue because, you know, I, I think researching on what that person was all about. What's their name? Amy Therese? No, no. That's their name. It was no. Amy Therese. Ah, burn. burn. <laughs> no. It was uh, Amy Knight, but also her last name was like Shalinor, but uh, yeah. she's married to someone and has the last name Knight. Yeah, but, okay, it's the same. Uh, a better example is the Google Memo guy. The Google Memo guy wrote an atrocious, misogynist screed, but I don't think he should have lost his job over it. And if Google union workers were unionized... Um, then he probably would have had a better shot at not being fired. You know, if they, it's because we tie people's livelihoods to work is, okay. is the reason why we can't, you know, have uh, this, this is all well discussion where we alienate bad ideas. This is all well and good, but this kid was in high school, is in high school. So she called his school. <laughs> and so it, that kind of snitching, he, he's a kid. He's like under 18. 
Uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's beyond the pale. It feels like. Yeah, I don't think you should do like, that. Like, you can't contact them? Like, you can't just, you know, DM them or something like that? Or, you know, why obsess over it that much to begin with? That you're, Do you think they're, mm -hmm. like, a literal danger to their community or something? Like, I get it if the kid was like, I'm going to kill everybody tomorrow! Well, but, so the uh, result of this is that this, this lady has been doxxed, and all of her friends have been doxxed, and now mm. she's freaking out. Mm. So it's a huge is she, is clusterfuck. She, is she new to the internet? No, she's like, I would say, she, uh, judging by my highly perceptive powers of age determination, she's like 34, 35. Okay, but is she... there? Okay, so there, there's a term that I'm sure is already like a marketing or like bloodless PR term, but I find it useful to describe what happens in a lot of cancellations, and it's called social media literacy. Along with, uh, when Marshall McLuhan said the medium was the message, he was right on the fucking money, because Twitter and Facebook and Instagram all carry within them their own implicit languages. And if you offend these implicit rules of language, you're looking at a cancellation. You know, someone will suddenly gain an audience after an appearance on a show, and they'll tweet like they did before, not realizing that because they have this new audience, they're interacting totally differently with the website now. And as a result, stuff that they would have said before that uh, their audience would have assumed would have been in good faith, you know, their audience is like now, oh, I don't know about that, because it's a much broader one. So, you know, there's this there's this secret language. I, I think, you know, a, a cliche now is like normal people have to think like a celebrity when they're putting shit out there. Uh, they have to be sort of measured and manicured. And even if you have an irreverent Internet persona, you have you need to have a measured and manicured version of that within this sort of narrow range of acceptability, unless you have like. Unless you have, like, a weirdly low following and you can get away with crazy shit like uh, uh, Muslim Tom from <laughs> You Can't Win who posts, like, insane shit that I can't believe he leaves up there. Oh, man, but, I don't uh, follow him. Uh, I should follow him because I like that pod a lot. It's a good pod. You, you Can't Win. It's one of the best. One of the best out there. In the whole stupid leftosphere weirdness. It's not even really leftosphere. It's its own thing. It's its own very weird, specific thing. Yeah, they're kind of our idols. Yeah. 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 Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's a Canadian and an American. Wow. With uh, antiquated beliefs. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> they're doing we our show. We're both on something awful. They fucking <laughs> yes. they ripped us off. Okay, next topic. Yeah. Um, give me an answer to why Chevron is good. I, I like the chevron <laughs> pattern that appears in Twin Peaks. Okay. Uh, which is the line pattern. The, uh, chevron, the oil company? Oh, most definitely. Um, yeah. Chevron. Okay, I, so, why is Chevron good is my uh, note here that I have. Well, if you're someone like me who is a metaphysical believer in the time is a flat circle Calvinist model of things where everything is fated to be and we are doomed to repeat our actions mm -hmm. uh, over and over again without having realized we've done them before. So what I think 
And because this is all part of some weird grand design, like a puzzle ball Rube Goldberg machine that doesn't do anything in particular, but sort of looks flashy and is vaguely satisfying when it's moving around. And I think that's the point of the universe. And uh, so Chevron is merely fulfilling its duty in creating this grand irony of a creature that gains intelligence only to dig up the bones of the past and choke itself to death. And I think in carrying out this grand irony, we are fulfilling some sort of objective purpose. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, kudos to the death wizards out there. I was going to say it's because uh, that guy, Steven Donzinger, is yeah, act- Donzinger. He's actually a modern day conquistador trying to conquer South America. And Chevron has got him locked up in a house. Uh, thank goodness. <laughs> no, 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 that was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Done sue. We're fragile. Oh, sue me then. The thing is, um, he's got time because he's locked up. Anyway, so yeah, Chevron can has. Can you come up with a. Has just, locked up like a guy. The, anyway. Uh, the traditional neoliberal justification for oil is that, you know, without oil power, we would not have industrialization and thus all the luxuries. You know, everything you use right now whether you like it or not, is powered by oil. Yeah. So even our cognizance that oil is bad is in turn fueled by oil. It is a necessary step yeah, in our but evolution. They are, they're preventing us from moving to the new, to the future because there are other yeah. energy sources, many. Mm-hmm. You know, we have many other energy sources now. Yeah, it's absolutely true. But what's good about it, in their monopolized realm, they're they're technically fueling partially our podcast right now. Oh, providing they are oil fueling to some it generator. in many ways. Yeah. Everyone is support. I mean, that's why it's like we should totally get sponsors, right? Because you're fucked either way. <laughs> you know, you're just well, always fucked. We can, this can launch us into talking about the Suez uh, bro now, as I like to yeah. call it. Which is, according to the New York Times, if they don't get it unblocked by tomorrow, then um, it's going to start fucking up uh, consumerism. Mm. And we're not going to be able to get our products. No, our products. That's Uh, pretty bad. Yeah. I do like products, but it would be funny. We'll get a glimpse of what it's gonna, what it would be like in a world with slightly less globalization. Yeah, in a world where you have to go around Africa. <laughs> All the way. It's gonna cost like, and the thing is, that's annoying. It's they're gonna just start doing that probably on Tuesday, and that's gonna burn so much fuel. <laughs> yeah, it's great. We we can't stop the capitalism. Uh. We can't stop the machine. I mean, that was very much the problem of the pandemic, too. You know, why all those half-hearted lockdowns and uh, total half-measures. It's we can't stop the machine. The machine needs to run. It requires bodies. It's grumbling. Uh, so, you know. Yeah. But we need our spices. Steven, our spices. <laughs> we need our spices from the yeah. Orient. Yeah, the meats must have flavor. That's true. What will we do without our cardamom? <laughs> Let's start a war. <laughs> yeah. Um, someone had the idea of taking off all of the containers and assembling a new pyramid out of them, uh, which I thought was yeah. nice. They they did a nice <coughs> Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Um, of like a, a a freed ship and just a new like Lego like pyramid, multicolored. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, they might actually have to start unloading it, which would be crazy. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god, just like taking it apart and then... Yeah, yeah. Bro, bro, here's what you do. You get like 40 helicopters no, oh, and you no, like... No, no, no. This, no. Wait, wait. Everything you say you think is an exaggeration and it is not <laughs> because they will need helicopters to unload it. They will also oh need God. some of the probably the tallest and most powerful cranes in the world that we have. Yeah. Because it has to be like they can't just position the crane right up next to it. Because it's has a anyone, waterway. <laughs> no one has died as a result of this, have they? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, because I'm trying to assess. Uh, this is one of the these like funny, huge engineering disasters. Like we're familiar with a lot of the bad engineering disasters, like Chernobyl and such. I'm sure someone but... could figure out a way to make it seem like someone dies as a result of this, but that's complexity theory, and you can refer to a previous episode for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we're going around the horn of Africa, boys, yeah. just like in the old days. It would be funny if, like, they all resort back to homosexuality because they're going around the horn. <laughs> all the sailors? The, the Suez Canal, we got there quick enough to avoid resorting to homosexuality, and now we're just sucking each other's dicks again. Yeah. This is terrible, Captain. Yeah, we're all, all the, gay again. All the sailors are British. That's very yeah, true. All, this, all the British sailors. <laughs> yep. All the maritimers from the 19th century. <laughs> That's who a does it. A bunch of privateers. Yeah. We're a bunch of privateers <laughs> sucking our private parts. You know, privateers are pirates, actually. I'm mixing up my nautical, yeah. my British nautical things. That's a, dude, you got to play more Civ Six. You wouldn't make that mistake. You're right. Yeah. I just wanted the privateers sucking private parts slide. But that would be more of a gay pirate scenario, so, which I'm also very down with. I don't want to get Civ Six canceled, but... They have an achievement called Standing Like a Stone Wall. Okay. And the picture of the achievement is a little Confederate flag. Um, what? Yeah, no, it's in what? the game. It's in the game, and it's like Steam shows the achievements, and it's like, I don't fucking want that on my Steam page. <laughs> and yet That's it, fucked up. anyone can go and look up my achievements and see that I've made that achievement. I don't know how. I played as the Americans and, like, did some military thing, and all of a sudden I get a Stonewall Jackson achievement. I feel like, who who does Civilization? Is it Sid Meier? Is it uh Well that guy the... sold his name. I know he sold his name, but it's probably nerds in the vein of Sidmar. You know, guys that on the side like play yeah. really complicated no, World War Two board games. It's you libertarians. Know? Yeah, libertarians. Yes. So they're like it's just history, you know? Mm-hmm. Um because I, I at first, because my gay brain, the first thing it went to is like, oh, standing like a stonewall. Oh, the stonewall riots, of course. It's gonna be an achievement for gay rights. <laughs> it's for no. LGBT rights. <laughs> and you get a little pride flag. Standing you get a like little a BIPOC stonewall. pride flag. Standing like a stonewall does not refer to Stonewall. That would be it would be nice if it did. Mm. We should petition Civ Six. Hello, your LGBT civilization players want more representation. We want a Harvey Milk avatar. We have Gandhi, but no milk. We want a Pete Buttigieg avatar. (laughs) Man, Pete Buttigieg has been just knocking it out of the park as transportation secretary. I have to say. Sec transpo. 
I would love to work for him one day, uh, perhaps in the ideas like department of the secretary office of for transportation, um, because mm-hmm. I have a lot of other really good ideas. Um, oh, what are what are your ideas? Well, I was thinking um, that one way we could reverse how much people drive is by just reversing the odometers, and so that every time that they drove, it would be negative taxation. Because we're going <laughs> to, and then you could actually make money, right? Because you get like, right? yeah. So that's just, you know, probably, probably he would really like that idea. Um, Cause yeah, I know I think, he's really think, smart. Yeah. Like and number mm-hmm. one, cause he's a mayor and I know how well, it, like hard it is to become a mayor. Uh, because, well, the thing with the reverse odometer proposal is it's a wonk proposal, mm-hmm. you know, it's a real wonk proposal. Only wonks are going to get it. Yeah, you know? it's a po- like the word is policy, but I like to yeah. think of it more as like um, a proposal, you know, like a marriage proposal, which I, I think that's really right because yeah. it's it's about a union. Mm hmm. Um, uh, what other what other ideas you got? What other sec transpo ideas you got? Not sec transpo, but well, sick transpo yeah, obviously ideas. Obviously, the got. number one is dirigibles. If right, I if I would press hard for dirigibles as, as right. to re, to replace trucks. Um, I know that the lead singer from, I believe Iron Maiden. Bruce mm-hmm. something or other Bruce 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 Dickinson, Bruce Dickinson yeah. uh, he is a huge fan of the dirigible he yeah he has a pilot- class D pilot's license yeah he's got a pilot's license I believe he's piloted dirigibles um I would just make it a dirigible focused thing I, I would ask for money for a pilot to do a dirigible like shipping company and mm-hmm. it would, you know, gracefully have shipping containers floating in the sky instead of blocking up the canals mm-hmm. and clogging the arteries of our freeways, which should be like there should be sidewalks on the freeways, freeways. Absolutely. You and and we're not even and bike on them. Uh, the military application alone, the paramilitary application in Batman, the animated series, there were police dirigibles. Which, uh, you know, I think is a very good idea because that's exactly the type of slow-moving oversight you need on a city street, you know? Yeah, I, I think if we made the police only be based in dirigibles and they'd have to unroll a tiny, very long ladder to come down and arrest yeah. anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might really cut down on some of the yeah. problems we have. They could only shoot suspects from the dirigible, so they have they'd have a pretty good chance, and they'd only be able to use small pistols, small <laughs> small arms. Yeah, you know? no, no yeah. rifles, no rifles, uh. <laughs> just a Glock at two hundred feet. Well, that brings us um, handily to our next topic, which is the True Anon Four Hour Pod on Stephen Paddock in Mandalay Bay. Another, another, okay, True Anon is mixed content, but their best content is great and amazing and wonderful, like also their Norm Finkelstein interview. Oh, that's okay. uh, And well, that's just this Mandalay let... Bay one with Felix from oh, yeah. Chapo, genius, pure genius. It, they don't go over, I mean, they don't really say any big theories, which I wanted them to. Well, what's your, do you have a big theory? Well, not really, because I haven't researched it enough. Well, I mean, but that is the nature of the paddock. 
you can only go over, you know, various weird things surrounding it, but it all adds up to nothing. The Jimmy Garrison gamble of, like, eventually you start seeing patterns. You have to look for patterns. You have to overview the patterns. It just doesn't come up with um, fucking Stephen Paddock, which is why it's so frustrating. Because um, whenever there's a tragedy, a horrifying tragedy, the first instinct is to craft a narrative around it to explain it. You know, people... People say, you know, oh, don't say the name of the killer. Don't talk about the biography of the killer. But there's this incredible natural human curiosity to know. No, I want to know what made this guy do this. I want to, like, have some way to explain this. And I think that is sort of the uh, obsession with serial killers as well, is I need some way to explain this. I need a story in order to show that there's an arc to this guy doing something unspeakable, you know. And so when that doesn't happen, and especially when it's uh, like the biggest spree killing of all time, it's uh, this incredible scar gap, this just thing that we can't rationalize whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when that when you have a really deep metaphysical wound like that, maybe the scar tissue is so immobilizing that um, you never have a coalescing like narrative around it and that's why it seems so weird it does seem Mm. weird that it's not mentioned much yeah but it's also weird just how weird the details around it like his dad being a bank robber and his brother being a pedophile and his like uh... I, i think people place too much stock in what a person's parent is like i've recently found out that tony hawk's dad uh frank hawk founded the the National Skaters Association, but that in no way should diminish the achievements of Tony Hawk. Are you see, are you saying that Tony Hawk is a nepotism baby? <laughs> no, I'm saying precisely the opposite. Right. Tony Hawk <laughs> achieved on his own. You know, even though he was given a leg up by the industry, which he'll admit, you know, his achievements are his own, just like Laura Dern. Yeah. Yeah, just because Tony Hawk was practically bred in a test tube with a half pipe doesn't mean <laughs> just because Frank Hawk fucked a half pipe <laughs> gave birth to Tony Hawk doesn't mean that he wouldn't have been the first guy to do a 900 mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. and and then and then to do it switch style and then okay. to, and then to do an ollie Mm. Uh, so what you want to hear a spicy take about Paddock that yeah. might get me canceled? Uh, um, yes, and then I'll tell you my theory. Okay. Um, so another mass shooting situation was Omar Mateen of the Pulse nightclub shooting, mm-hmm. which was, in the media narrative, a homophobic shooting, right? Because Omar Mateen, he's, you know, he's a brown guy, and brown guys hate gays. And so he goes to... Uh, Pulse nightclub in order to make good on his pledge to Allah and ISIS even took credit for it which was funny but they'll take credit for everything I think ISIS took credit for Paddock too right I think so that's so funny uh, good old <laughs> yeah I, yeah I did that <laughs> that was me <laughs> um, so Omar Mateen though the weird thing about Omar Mateen is there's evidence to show that he cased a bunch of nightclubs on the Orlando Strip that Pulse was also on, 
showing that what he was looking for was basically more occupancy and uh, just a way to kill as many people as possible. So there is a suggestion to show that his crime was not a hate crime, but more of a paddock crime. Uh, something that is just sort of senseless and maybe born out of this nebulous, you know, you know, toxic masculinity, I guess. But you can't even attribute it to that because you, you really know so little about the dude. Well, can we be intersectional with our our hate our mass killers? Or I guess we're not supposed to be because I mean, I don't know. A lot of different things could have set them off, but I do know that there's also a huge amount of conspiracy around Omar Mateen. Mm-hmm. Because he was, like, in some movie. Wasn't he in some movie? He was in a movie? I didn't... I don't know anything really? about that. Really? Yeah, well, he was, like, in a movie. So people were saying he's... he's oh, he's an actor. But... Yeah. Um, my theory with Paddock is that maybe he was, a, like, for motive, is that he was a gun runner of some kind. Mm-hmm. And for some something got messed up with his business being a gun runner, mm-hmm. and he snapped and decided to kill a bunch of people. And it's, the motive is not that it was gambling or anything, but it's just like a part of his life that we might not know because of this missing hard drive. And I think it was that he was illegally selling guns and uh, decided to go out in the style of his employment. Is it just like uh, the idea that he embodied this man of danger now? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. It's Yeah, I don't know either. But why do you think the gun running thing is plausible over other theories? Well, just because like, someone who, who, who buys that many guns, like they said he bought 90000 in one year. He, he spent $90,000 on guns. Mm. To be I don't, I mean, I guess... I don't know. And I thought magic cards were an expensive hobby. <laughs> I guess is is that just someone with an expensive hobby? Aren't <laughs> I there know. limits? I feel like can't you? Are you? You shouldn't be allowed to buy that many guns. I feel like like an expensive, like really good assault rifle probably costs somewhere in the five figures, right? I don't know oh, my gun I don't prices. Know. I mean, <laughs> I'm not a gun expert. Yeah, I could see it ending it being like around 50 guns or something. Mm. $90,000 worth. Like how much does an AR-15 cost? Like 5,000? But if you get up if you buy 50 guns, how is the government not like are you starting like a little army? Uh, Just a little I'm one? sure there's some sort of weird loophole. Like, uh, if you're a registered with this organization, you can have a tank. Well, it's. A, I mean, come on. You can't. Shouldn't be able to buy fifty guns. Uh, why? <laughs> Defend yourself. <laughs> you don't. Like, <laughs> you, 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 you hook them up all into one big gun. I got. You see. It's, uh, it's. I got fifty kids, so I need. <laughs> <laughs> is to defend my family we have a compound we're all related um and like by then you're just at waco and that's what did in the waco guys they were hey if those kids had had guns they would have been able to kill david koresh when he molested them um (laughs) i don't know i don't know i can't i never finished the uh series the dramatized propaganda on netflix about it yeah we have we've been having a lot of hot serial killers, which I think is fun. Uh, Evan Peters is going to be Dahmer in Ryan Murphy's new series. 
Zach oh. Efron was Ted Bundy. That's that's uh, garbage that guy, culture. I love garbage hot. Yeah. I love hot serial killer culture. I want the hot serial killer extended universe. You know, Mm-mm. where they all get together and make out. <laughs> I want to see hot Gacy make out with hot, <laughs> hot Joseph Calendar. It's so twisted, man. That's too <laughs> Whoa, twisted. man, all these gay serial killers <laughs> make out. Fun, man. It's, too, it's, it's Joker-fied. You've been joker Joker. Joker's making out with Dumber. 69ing. <laughs> and they're uh, he's laughing at each other's dicks. No, he's biting dude. off his dicks. Oh, man, I'm so scared for society now. Uh, the hot serial killer society? Uh, yeah, just because of everything that's happening with the cancel culture and everyone's jokerfied and being in yeah. evil, which leads us to Lil Nas's satanic shoes. <laughs> Lil Nas X, uh, a beautiful internet person. Uh, he has come out with a new song, Montero, Call Me By Your Name. Uh, Montero is his uh, is his given name, and presumably the song is a message to himself as a young lad suppressing his uh, sexual identity. And Call Me By Your Name being a reference to the movie directed by Luca Guadagnino, uh, starring Timothy Chalamet I and Cannibal that, Man. I thought that the song was about him being horny for Satan. Uh, he does grind his booty into Satan for uh, the latter half of it. But then, he takes a stripper pole down to hell. Then I, I, frankly, I love it. I, I think it's oh, a great yes, video. It's, it's an great. amazing video. Because then yeah. I thought, because what I thought it's about, it's not about him being horny for Satan. It's actually about him doing shot for shot replicas of SpongeBob frames. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He showed the treatment for it, and his treatment for it, he had SpongeBob references. And it's he does a shot for shot replica of a, of like. Of a SpongeBob frame is fantastic, uh, and you know. Yeah, he's got, but it's a high concept religious thing. And he's got like Ma- Marie Antoinette blue hair. Uh, it's very. Yeah, it looks good. like Marge Simpson. He uh, he's very uh, artistic, and uh, he's our he's who I would send to the aliens if they needed a taste of our culture. What I like about it too is it embraces pop music. Of have you ever heard the term non cochlear sonic art? Uh, I can I can figure out what that means. Yes, it's so like it's, thumping it's, and vibrations yeah. for the deaf people. So it's based on the idea. Of, so Marcel Duchamp, the surrealist artist, once uh, coined the term non-retinal visual art, which is I because he was you know criticizing the emphasis on painting at his time and the idea that you know what if we have a visual art where the idea is primary. And the art is secondary, despite it still being visual art. And I feel that's very much the tenor of Lil Nas X, where the music, while being an important factor, is secondary just to the general vibe. Mm. You know, yeah. The general weird internet vibe. And the music is to serve the vibe well, rather than I the other way around. The vi- vibe as a word has has achieved increased importance. It's like leveled up somehow in a way that mm-hmm. as an old guy now, I'm just not aware. I can kind of yeah. catch out that to, to, to for something to uh, use this word vibe, it means of increased importance than my generation placed it. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm no categorizer of words. Uh, I can only sort of v- experience the ephemera. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I don't know. I, uh, vibing out is like, it's pretty, I get it. it makes sense as the language, but. Um, well, it's yeah, something sort of, that Chet um, Hanks would say a lot. He does. Does Chet Hanks say vibing? I think a lot? he says that a lot. So, so that's vi- it's white boy summer. Yeah, he's our cultural ambassador. <laughs> Biden has a appo- Biden should appoint him so to be a cultural ambassador. Like, didn't Obama appoint some cultural ambassador? Yeah, he he appointed Kumar from the Harold and Kumar movies. Yeah, I think he Chet appointed Hanks. Cal Penn. From- <laughs> yeah. Chet Hanks should be and they had to kill his character off on House so he could work as the cultural liaison yeah. for Obama. Biden would be like, oh, oh white boys. Yeah, we need white boys like me and Chet are here to say it's okay. L- listen, Jack, we're losing a lot of the white boys to the old clan there. And, you know, even though I had reconnaissance with good old Robert Byrd back in the day, he said to me, hey, Jack, clan's not all it's cracked up to be, okay? And so me... And Chet Hayes, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be Black Queen year all year round, Jack. Okay. Wait, his, <laughs> I thought his, his, he changed his last name to Hayes. No, his name is Chet Hanks, but his I think his rapper handle or it's a social handle hmm. is Chet Hayes. Wow, because it's very funny. That's pretty cool, man. He's the, he's <laughs> yeah, the coolest for, guy. <laughs> uh, he's well, he's just a uh, uniquely American. Uh, I think he he's very talk about vibe talk about somebody who's you know birthed of a zeitgeist in the most uniquely American figure of Tom Hanks who represents that sort of boundless wholesomeness and optimism and from him uh, comes a SoundCloud rapper yeah the 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 most indicative male archetype of this era and all the good oh. SoundCloud <laughs> SoundCloud rappers are dead and the ones that are left yeah. are like yeah Chet Hayes. <laughs> yeah, they all, they all, they all, <laughs> they all drank all their Robitussin on an airplane because they were afraid the cops were after them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. But the thing is, Chet Hayes doesn't look like Tom Hanks. I'm thinking Rita Wilson had a side piece. Oh, oh, wow! What a you no, heard it here first. A, I'm not gonna accuse that. You heard it here Rita, first. Rita, why did you do this to me? Wow. Oh, this should be. We're gonna lead with this. This yeah, news. this is our TMZ. Holy shit! Oh man, we should. Now nah, we we should. Uh, for people who don't know, if people aren't very online, um, Chet Hayes, uh, Chet Hanks is Tom Hanks's son. He's a white rapper type and also an actor. Uh, and he recently said in a TikTok video that he feels like. It's going to be a real white boy summer, yep. not like a racist MAGA thing, but like me and uh, John B. and Jack Harlow, you know, yeah. <laughs> who are presumably other white boy rappers, you know, that kind of white boy summer. Right. And then he issued some rules for white boy summer, yeah, they, which is, you know, like sneakers. You got to wear sneakers. Yeah. Don't wear sneakers. Don't wear, don't wear like boat, boat shoes. shoes. <laughs> no don't boat wear shoes. Boat shoes. Yeah. No calling women smoke shows, <laughs> which is, you know, a very strong rebuke of barstool sports yes. and their whole culture. So I think we, what we're seeing is that barstool sports, they're not part of white boy summer, which is, uh, you know, a pretty, pretty mag- magnitudal shift. Mm-hmm. Well, the one of the best memes to come out of the Trump administration was when that guy Dave went to interview Trump, and there's a picture of them both laughing and pointing at their phones. Dave Portnoy? Yeah. And that <laughs> meme became like 
just sort of ubiquitous for a while. It is very mm-hmm. good. Uh, mm-hmm. But that guy is, I don't know, I don't really like Dave Portnoy. But I kind uh, of do. I don't know anything about barstool sports. I, I, I think maybe the attraction to Dave Portnoy is that whatever else, he seems like he really did build this stupid media brand from the ground up. And it seems to have this natural sort of brotherhood type of community, uh, like this this actually like naturally cultivated community as opposed to like other different corporate brands. Like people actually seem to have a sense of community with it, not mediated by like I'm sure I'm sure Barstool is owned by some huge media conglomerate, but the way people use it, they use it almost like people use something awful back in the day, less as like a means to achieve media clout and more as just like uh, a brotherhood of idiots trying to make each other laugh. And I think that's uh, that's what people like about Barstool. And when I say brotherhood, I mean brotherhood, including, like, the Call Me Daddy smoke shows, because they're like, Whoa. you know, I like the guys. You, I'm the chick that likes the guys. You violated a rule of this white boy summer. I don't oh, What's no. the punishment? I call him smoke I don't know what the punishment is. Presumably Chet Hayes is going to show up at my house and punch me in the face. Yeah, it's that or, like, racial banishment. Oh no! You are banished to a different race. Um, <laughs> oh man, are you kidding? That's the dream of all white people now. That's the dream of all you know. Whoa, the we're, we are treading on cancelable ground here, my friend. <laughs> it's gonna shift, <laughs> gonna shift gears here. Uh, but but you know that's like every. I no, I'll speak frank. Especially like as a Jew boy, every Jewish boy wants to be black. Every Jewish boy wow. wants to listen to hip hop, and you know they want to be black. They even talk about it in in the horrible, horrible transphobic South Park episode. <laughs> okay, well, then then you shouldn't use it as evidence. Then <laughs> no, I'm not using it as evidence, but I'm saying it's a soup. Ask any Jewish person; it's a total phenomenon that like. Uh, you know, little Jew boys want to be black. But maybe a That's guy a from Colorado thing. doesn't isn't really know what the, the can't speak for the culture. No, I don't think he can speak for the culture. But it was it's fairly ubiquitous for me. Is that you know every every Jewish kid I knew growing up idolized hip hop culture and you know idolized black culture and uh, tried to act black a lot of times and okay. it was just it's just a very common occurrence. All right, well if I'll take your word for it. It's a thing. It's a total thing. Uncut Gems is basically a movie about that phenomenon. I thought he liked sports gambling. It was sports gambling, but it's also like the weird relationship between Judaism and blackness. Because Uncut Gems, I think, originally had Amari Stoudemire uh, as the basketball player in it. And Amari Stoudemire is a black Jew. And, you know, the movie... Um, it has them originally mining uh, the opal from Ethiopia with the Beta Israelites. And, you know, the Beta Israelites are famously discriminated in Israel. So it's about the weird relationship wow. of exploitation, really? but also mutual understanding and did he, uh, between Jewish and black people. So did they, like, tone what? it down? They were like, we got to tone no, they it just, down. They couldn't get Amari. Yeah, well, they. a lot of that's still Holy in there. Shit. Like, the inherited sense memory of oppression and shit like that yeah, is still in there. But if you tie it um, together the way you just did, it would be, like, really out there. 
in, in terms. It's it is. I I think it retains a lot of that in the movie. That's why I think Uncut Gems is a beautiful movie. The softies even talk about it. I think it's better that it's not that that's in, that's made subtext rather because yeah I yeah really, it is probably better that that's made subtext. Um, that's a that's like a good like you know a great entry point for having their film talked about academically, which I'm sure everybody wants. But even in other famous, you know, black projects as of recent, like uh, look at the Straight Out of Compton movie. It's about a conflict between N.W.A. and Jerry Heller, a, a Jewish man, and you know the the fact that he's Jewish plays a significant role in the movie and the antagonism between each other. Have you seen you know, um, it's, the Five Bloods? Yeah, the relationship between black and Jewish communities is very interesting. You know, it's uh, also you know Louis Farrakhan and uh, all that shit. Have you seen the Five Bloods yet? I haven't seen Defy Bloods. Is it good? I, no, I don't know. I, I haven't seen right. it either. I, I assume it is good. I want to watch it. Are you a, like uh, Spike Lee, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Klansman was not great. It's the last Spike Lee movie I watched. I didn't see that one. It was kind of just copaganda, which is weird for Spike Lee. Seems a little weird for Spike Lee, you know? Pro-cop, pro-cop and, stuff? What? Y- yeah, pro it's it yeah it's fairly pro cop or like i feel like the movie expressly argues that there is a way through the system in order to defeat systemic racism which seems you know less radical than spike lee had been in the past or at least you know capitulating to a more liberal idea of development well i mean that can lead harry belafonte is in it too that can lead us to our next topic about trying to fix the system through the system with the border crisis the border crisis? Yeah. Are, what, are, where is there a border crisis? So uh, whenever whenever the Republicans can, they say there's a border crisis. And so now there's a border crisis. And Ted Cruz... Oh, shit. Ted Cruz went to the border with... Oh, yeah, I saw that. And... He's so fucking fat, man. Yeah, he's... Jesus, I didn't, I didn't appreciate how fucking fat... And not like attractive fat either. Bad fat. Yeah, he's looking bad. We should shame him. Um, but no yes. one call my high school, please. Uh, <laughs> my high school would they wouldn't care about the fat shaming but they would care about me saying something bad about ted cruz so look i look bad my torso looks like ted cruz's and it's a bad torso it's it's not a good torso it's formless it's it's like a a starless night um blackened soul of the devil my my torso imagine like a vanilla tootsie roll that's my, that's, my, that's my torso. It's like a big bowl of banana pudding. Yeah, like, it's kind of like creme brulee, but that has yet to be brulee It's sort of like a It's sort of like a bunch of medical waste in a white garbage bag. <laughs> yeah. yeah. sloshing around. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about? What's oh, he doing on the border? What's Teddy doing on the border? He was trying to uh, take a video of the deplorable deplorable conditions that the migrants are in. And they are bad. And then a woman is trying to block him from taking the mm-hmm. video. And he's like, why are you trying to block me from taking a video? And so now they're being like, this is all Biden's fault. <laughs> and I mean, he's in power now. So, yeah, it is kind of. <laughs> okay. He has the power to stop this. Uh, he doesn't really have the power to stop it that quickly. No, not that quickly. But um, who would have? Who would more have more power to stop it? The Greg Abbott? Well, no. Congress has had the power to stop it for years by providing a path to legalization. But currently, like the role of the executive branch is not to somehow declare that they are 
like allowed in the country and have a they there's no way for them to be given citizenship at this point because Congress has to allow that. What needs to yeah, happen is for there to be a path like, to citizenship. Uh, so it's really like the Republicans can't just blame the executive branch and we shouldn't either. I mean Trump made it worse, but the the problem is that there's there's no path to citizenship. I mean, what he does have the power to do is to end deportations. He could just end deportations. Well, right? yeah, but that's not what's that's not the problem. The problem is that they're they have a really shitty way of dealing with people coming across the border. Mm. Um, he they should improve that, but that takes some time because you have to like create a whole new system, and mm. they have inherited a shitty system. So, I don't. I mean. The only thing is that for a senator to say anyone else can blame the Biden administration except sitting senators because they could fix it in a way Mm -hmm. that would fix it permanently. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just get mad when people in the government act like they don't know how the government works. And Ted Cruz, like, it's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's all Ted Cruz's bit. Yeah. Like getting mad at Ted Cruz is like getting mad at, you know, um, the Iron Sheik. He's just supposed to be a heel, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he's he is terrible on purpose. Um, but That's his role. Ted Cruz, I think, realized I have the worst face on the planet. <laughs> I w- everybody hates me already. How can I use that to my advantage? And I, I don't want to do, I'm not like defending the Biden administration, but um, I am defending the way our government should work, which is that Congress should pass a bill making citizenship like easy to get for mm-hmm. people who come across the border. Like it should take like a year, maybe like you, pa- you got to pass it. I don't know, a basic test and they should give the test in Spanish. Look, Matt Gates already proved himself with Nestor. Let's let him take everyone. <laughs> Matt Gates. <laughs> <laughs> send him all to Matt Gates' uh, house. Send, okay. That's uh This is not the time for jokes, man. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. I guess so. Anyway, there's border crisis because the Republicans say there is even there's always a border crisis is the answer. Yeah, of course. Because the border it turns out is a semi-permeable membrane, and a wall is very impractical we have, for many we reasons. Because of a, things like terrain. We have, a, a, <laughs> we have also set up a massive system of, like, taking in people and putting them in these detention centers. Like, we have that set up. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, you know much how much more money we could be making if we just would, like had these people in under the table, you know, janitor or farmer positions, like the whole liberal neoliberal orthodoxy was supposed to work. Well, hush hush illegal work. There is like I don't know. Some people w- would argue like, well, they could just do nothing. Um, I don't think that's a sincere um, response. I don't think that the executive branch could just like abdicate border control mm. you know what it is it's um you rely on the illegal labor i shouldn't say illegal labor you rely on the undocumented labor and mm-hmm. but simultaneously you also have to do the security theater so you also you rely on these people you're almost totally dependent 
on their labor in order to subsidize your food prices, uh, which, you know, you depend on to keep your weird economy afloat. Um, (laughs) And but also you have to periodically destroy their lives so that the rest of the citizens, you know, don't get too uppity about the this um, slave class. Well, I think we're talking about different people. Um, I'm not sure that the migrant workers that regularly come are the same ones who are coming for asylum. Like, there's asylum seekers, and then there's Oh, we're talking about, like, Guatemalans and stuff? Yeah, there's asylum seekers, and there's migrant laborers. And, I mean, the the situation at the border is in, like, a stasis because companies want the status quo because you're right. They have a, a very manipulable source of labor that if there was a path to citizenship, those those newly minted citizens could um, have some. They would be a powerful force. They would be a powerful mm-hmm. labor force, like who could mm-hmm. demand improved working conditions. So companies yeah. all over don't want Congress fixing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's there you go. The executive branch, like they. Only have the hammer, basically. They aren't given yeah. a pen. So to you, you can either apply hammer or not apply hammer. And you need the uh, legislative branch branch to to make any kind of nuance. And you mm-hmm. need that. You need just like to create a basically just a path to citizenship, and it would be it's but you know. Okay. Next. Okay, but hear me out. Topic. Oh, okay. Hear me out. Okay. What about a hammer? Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> next. Next topic. Um. Okay. Next topic was Amazon tweeting at uh, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Oh uh, yeah, you don't really believe the thing about piss bottles, do you? <laughs> you don't really believe the piss bottle thing, do you? That was their first tweet, right? Yeah, that was the first one that's... Yeah, I don't know what this entity is. Like, I've never heard of Amazon News before, but it, it recently made the rounds on Twitter because of um, a series of just tweets that nobody likes. Nobody likes Amazon. Everybody uses it begrudgingly because they've somehow wormed their way into the lives of everybody, and they hate them as a result of that. So Amazon News, you know, tweeting at Bernie Sanders... The most popular, literally the most popular politician in America, like the the highest approval rating out of anybody, cr- crosses uh, left and right divides because you know he's the may, the only non lizard person there. And Elizabeth Warren herself, who's still pretty fucking popular, two very popular uh, politicians, and they're saying their plans aren't going to work. And minimum wage is for assholes. Federal minimum wage is for assholes. Or what What did they tweet to Bernie Sanders? Bernie Sanders couldn't even get uh, minimum wage past 11.25 in Vermont. We pay our workers $15 an hour. You know, that shit. You know, facetious shit. Uh, yeah, I think that it's the Amazon News is like the anti-union department at Amazon. I think their mm-hmm. Amazon News is probably responsible for producing their anti-union propaganda videos that they show to all their new hires. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably a whole branch. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it's really just their anti-unionization department. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, one of the best arguments I've ever heard about why unions are good is that 
Um, people will always say, unions don't work. They just take your dues and do nothing. Well, if unions didn't work, why do you think Amazon is trying to yeah. fight against this so And hard? just as a callback to the previous issue, ICE has a union. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Police unions are some of the strongest and most powerful. And Unfortunately, they're the bad unions yeah. because they're the ones that uh, break up all the other unions. And the Border Patrol agents also have a union and the... Mm-hmm detention center workers have a union and that guess what all those unions are fighting for on the border it's not a path to citizenship they want mm-hmm. more reasons to arrest people um mm-hmm. anyway but yeah. yeah apes together strong for sure anyway, uh, and you know yeah. all of this is coming out because of bessemer alabama the the ongoing amazon union drive uh, in bessemer alabama which if this is successful uh, means that all Amazon workers could unionize. There would be a precedent set, especially in a, a state that is n- that doesn't have a, a, exactly the best labor laws around. I'm just assuming that. I don't know anything about Alabama, but except that I assume it's backwards. Because uh, I'm yeah, lazy. they probably. You're probably right. They do probably do not have great labor laws there. Yeah, but so if they're able to do it in Alabama, think about what they're able to do in a state with stronger labor laws. I don't know. Is labor federal? No, labor is state, right? Um, it's a combo. Combo. There are yeah. there's a few federal regulations, and then some states go further. Yeah. So um, so that's very important. So this Amazon news, I think it has sort of erupted in uh, visibility as a result of that union drive as well. So, um, it's just really miscalculating its ability to be liked with all this. Because this is the type of, like, liberal rhetoric that, like, the pod save guys should be about. But even those guys have abandoned this type of... You, you really just can't get away with um, being Amazon and saying shit like this. Everybody knows you're evil. Hmm. Even people that love capitalism think you're evil. Yeah. Amazon's so hard to avoid now, though. It's crazy. I, guess, yeah, I yeah. don't know. I guess you could use Wayfair. We've been using Wayfair for some things. But I, I, I think, you know, re- even amongst people that love capitalism, rebellion against ubiquity is uh, is is definitely a thing. That's a theme in King of the Hill, where Hank is constantly at odds with the Megalomart. Yeah. The Megalomart represents convenience, but it al- also represents a destruction. Uh, it represents life out of balance, you know. And, you know, I think while Americans love Walmart, they also hate it, too. I was uh, reading over Hank Hill uh, quotes to... Uh try to find any references to paint and the need to respect paint but Mm -hmm. i was unable to find any good hank hill references about respecting paint um Mm. instead i the drywall instead i I was treated to uh rereading a segment where he's at megalomart trying to find the hardware department and who is it buckley Mm -hmm. luann's boyfriend just it's like Mm -hmm. why do you want to know (laughs) <laughs> and he won't tell him where it is and he's like well what do you want like what do you want to get and at the end of by the end of it hank hill's like you're fired because <laughs> the only the only response he can have in times of immense stress is just to try to take on the role of the manager and fire buckley yeah. um but he can't <laughs> he doesn't work yeah. there <laughs> you're fired mister Tell me where the god dang hardware store is. <laughs> Great show. 
Oh my god. But yeah, we we do, the 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 you love the low low prices of the Megalomart, but you also hate it because you understand what it's doing. It's and I that is very much, you know, the feature of neoliberal capitalism in general. You love it, but you hate it cuz you know what it's doing. <laughs> you know it's 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 rotting the world out from the inside, but provides you with such sort of serene and passable comfort and distraction that you can't mobilize. Hmm. Uh, well, in quick show news, we now have a website. Mm-hmm. There's nothing on the website, but you can go to www.houseofdecline.com right now and click on a link to go to a different website if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, bought it yesterday. I was just going over the charges uh cost three thousand dollars so we're gonna yeah. need to uh crowdfund have that a patreon yeah we're gonna need to crowdfund yeah. that um yeah. and that's not a lie it really cost that much uh i wouldn't lie about things like money um, give us your jewels we, we there's a special jewel transaction thing mm-hmm so that's, give us your diamonds and your sapphires. Uh, the reason, uh, of course, we made this business decision, of course, is because the podcast is taking off. Um, we've reached, I think, eighteen listeners in almost every country in the world, except <laughs> except for however many there are besides the first eighteen. So, okay. just a little congratulatory note uh, before we move on to the last topic of the day which is the George Floyd trial starts tomorrow oh and my one note about the George Floyd trial is that so what could happen is that he could potentially be decided guilty or innocent that's obvious if he's if he is decided guilty he could appeal Mm-hmm. And the reason I bring this up, if he's decided guilty, instead of the more shocking verdict, which would be he's decided innocent, is that if he's decided guilty and appeals, one of the only successful appeals on not being allowed to change the venue of the trial was based on a similar case. Um, because the argument is that all the jurors have been so bombarded by the media that they're scared that they're going to cause a riot if they find him innocent. And so that's why there's a chance if he's found guilty, his appeal could be successful for change of venue. Mm. Um, so that's the only info I can bring. Uh, it seems you're kind of seems you're kind of breaking the old adage of a jury of your peers. You know, you're not really being judged by your peers if you're not in the community which you patrol. You know, maybe maybe that fear of inciting a riot should play a factor into the judgment of police. Mm. Uh, maybe it should. That's... Maybe that is uh, maybe that is a legal precept that we don't consider because we think of dispassion. Be, uh, as being one thing. Well, we don't. As being not ri- informed riots by emotion. Are, riots are illegal, so the law system wouldn't. That's a that's sort of a perverse way to incent uh, way to think about incentives. Um, I don't. Yeah, th- but I, I'm yeah. not saying I'm not saying that um, I'm not saying that the law should condone like the use of 
emotional reasoning or whatever it in uh, legal judgments. But I'm just saying practically it does. There's no no one decides a legal case. No jury and no judge for that matter decides a legal case purely on you know a reading of the facts. It all your bias always enters into it, including the cultural context which you're in. And you know if you know the cultural context you're in is limited to a specific geography, then maybe that does play a relevant factor. Maybe that does play an objective factor that deserves to play a role in sentencing. Okay. Granted, but there's precedent in the other direction, is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, but okay, say you do a change of venue, and and Derek Chauvin is found innocent in another community. Wouldn't a riot start anyway? Not in the community of the juror. Like so, it wouldn't be. You couldn't say it was tainted by the fact that the jurors were scared that there was going to be a riot in their where their own homes were located. Because it okay. Because the problem is that the jurors might be scared that a riot could actually directly affect them, which could cloud their judgment. Okay. But so it's okay if jurors are afraid that their their judgment will negatively affect other people. What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, uh, uh, so um, you don't think like a juror could like if I find this guy not guilty. Uh, then someone uh, in a different town, you know, their their house will burn or something like that. You don't think that's worth disqualifying someone over? Or is, you know, the idea that people, since self-interest is such a huge factor, you know, people's judgment will be skewed by that? I mean, maybe. I don't know. That's a call for the judge. That's a judgment call. It sort of reminds me of uh, the use of the, the question of whether the N-word could be used in the O.J. Simpson trial. And Christopher Darden argued that uh, the N-word is so shocking and so horrible that it will blind the jury uh, to any sense of reason. And, you know, mm. they won't see anything but a setup by the loss, by the LAPD. I think um, that's different. Yeah, I mean it's different, but it's in this in the same way that uh, the idea that a jury a jury will be overcome by emotion or will be overcome by this material circumstance or this idea of context uh, within their community so much so that their judgment will be uh, altered beyond reason. Well, the reason I don't I, the reason this appeal that I can't you know the a successful appeal for change of venue that I'm referring to. The reason why they won is because one of the jurors said that I was afraid they were going to burn my house down if I found him innocent. So oh, there you go. That disqual. That's why he won the appeal. That kind of influence is enough for a judge to throw out the verdict. Um, I, yeah, but if he gets a, do you think if he gets a change of venue, especially to like maybe a wider venue, he's more likely to get a a, a, a easier an easier time. Because isn't that usually a concern as well? Yeah, that is. I don't. Uh, yeah. I'm not arguing that there should be a change of venue, but I'm just saying that there could be a successful could appeal. Happen. It could probably happen. I don't know. Uh, um, yeah, it's yeah, tricky because yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about jury of your peers. Why, why shouldn't it just be like 12 qualified judges that we all voted on? Yeah, I mean, uh, these are these are legal questions, which I don't have the philosophical wherewithal to answer. Yeah, you do. Come on, tell me why. Okay. Um, well, uh, jury of your peers, uh, it, it could be more like the civil... Uh, this is more of a feature of common law, 
having a jury of your peers. Mm-hmm. In the civil system, where it's more the inquisitorial model, the idea is that advocates sort of work it out with the judge as opposed to, you know, uh, shouting opposing arguments at each other. And the the civil model is used in, in France and, and other, other European jurisdictions, while common law comes from England primarily. And the common law model is adversarial and is also dependent on juries. Although I do think they have juries in the civil law model, so forget what everything I ever said. <laughs> and that's uh, our law blog. Blah, that's blah. our law. Now that we're the, we're the law day. dogs. It's the Law Dog Podcast. That's the Law. Featuring Law Dog Jerry and Law Dog Logan. That was the Law Blob. The Law Blob. Yeah. It was a blob of law. The Law Blob. That is the old Arrested Development joke. We got Bob Law Law's Law Blog. Yeah, R.I.P. to Lucia One. Yeah, Jessica Walter. She died. Sad. She was hot. Sucks. She was it like sucks. a hot 80 year old was... woman. Yeah. It was bad news, man. I didn't want to hear that. That was made me sad. It's sad when somebody dies, but it's sad when like a hot a hot eighty year old dies. Um, it makes me super sad. Yeah, it makes Alex really sad when a hot old lady dies. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it when hot. I, I like when old ladies die. Terrible. Hot old ladies, immense tragedy. Immense. When Susan tragedy. Sarandon dies. Oh man. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be in tears. Yeah. I'm gonna be bawling. Uh, what's the uh, What's the one everyone always cites? Um. Helen Mirren. Yeah, Helen Mirren. <laughs> Helen Mirren dies. Oh my God! The world will. It's melancholia when Helen Mirren dies. Yeah. You know. We're just like we need. Our grief is so immense that it has a mass which is heavier than the Earth, which has caused the Earth mm-hmm. to collapse. Such yeah. is melancholia. Yeah. This is the grief over Hellcat's death. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I had. I had no more topics. Um, you. You got no more topics. Um. Uh, <laughs> What what topics do I have? What wonderful topics have I added? The Suicide Squad movie There's a is new happening with James Gunn, and it's got they're making a remake. Suicide Squad it has all your favorite characters. Didn't it's what? Got King Shark. Wait, slow down. They're doing Suicide Squad again. Yeah, but with James Gunn, director of Guardians of the Galaxy. Why? Um, because there's money to be had, and they feel like they fucked up the first time, and what? they can make a lot more money with James Gunn. No, they, the first one was fine. That was all we needed. It made, they made a lot of money, but it was like... See, the problem with um, DC is I feel they want their cake and eat it too. Like, they also they want to be critical darlings, which they kind of got with Joker. They kind of got their wish, in a way. So I don't understand why they can't do new material. It's crazy. Because what I think I understand what DC's pivot is now in in the comic book wars, which is okay. Marvel's going all their TV shit. What we need to do is produce prestige shit. We're gonna start producing like the art superhero mm. movies, which is I think what this Suicide Squad thing is supposed to be. Because it's very much in the same sort of nostalgic style as Joker too. It like harkens back to a lot of seventies movies and the way it's shot and the way it's uh, poster is arranged as well. Um, and so I think it, it's in order to have this sense of tourist authenticity, it's relying on this nostalgic aesthetic, um, which, you know, some people see through as, yeah. as this and, blatant. And as, according to my theory, James Gunn should hold wildly reactionary beliefs let me peruse his Twitter. Yeah, 
I mean, he did. He did get in trouble. He got fired from Guardians of the Galaxy for having edgy South Park-esque tweets uh, from his trauma days. And then he said he evolved on the issue. Actually, what James Gunn believes now is he has very neoliberal takes. He, like, disses Bernie Sanders and shit. So, you know, mm. I, I didn't expect it. I like the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I like all of his movies. I love Slither. I love Super. I love... Uh, I didn't like Brightburn. Brightburn was kind of lame. But, um, yeah, James Gunn, I think he's a good filmmaker. Uh, um, I liked his... I liked Romeo and Juliet. Eh. I liked his Scooby-Doo movies that he wrote. I don't like the Scooby-Doo movies. Well, I can't believe they're doing it. Who's playing Harley Quinn? It's uh, it's um, it's uh, Margot Robbie again. What? Yeah. Are you kidding? People love that character. I think they like. Look, the, her movie didn't make money, but she, her toys sell. There's the Q ratings through the roof. We keep got got to keep milking this cow. You know. What is going? I do not understand how they could make the same movie again. It's called The Suicide Squad. It's sort of like oh. a Fast and the oh, Furious the, thing. The Suicide Squad. Yeah, it's oh. not Suicide Squad. It's called The Suicide Squad. That's big. That's a big thing. But it has Sylvester Stallone as a big CGI shark. That's lame. Yeah. It's lame. It's got Idris Elba in it and John Cena and a cast of characters that you recognize from things. Americans haven't made good movies in since like The Matrix. It's that's about it. That's about all I have yeah. to say. Oh, the Matrix that and then the and then all movie. the other good movies are like a Chinese person comes in and does like Nomadland and we're like, "Oh, it's so <laughs> we America makes the best movies." It's yeah. like, "No, we don't." <laughs> the only good movies are Shawshank movies. Um what did you say Shawshank? The only good movie is Shawshank. No, not Shawshank. Is uh, Josh Josh N K? The Josh N K Redemption. <laughs> oh, we're gonna get canceled for that one too. Well, how is that can- getting canceled? Because his got- name sounds vaguely like Shawshank. You just got us canceled for like four weeks for anti Asian racism. Yeah. Oh God, damn it, damn it! Yeah. I forgot. That's the one now. Yeah, That's the one you can't do, do now. Do that one now, asshole. <laughs> oh God, damn it. I did once get in trouble because I made, like, a very stupid uh, joke on social media. I said, you know, what do you call Filipinos who are bad at playing poker? Manila folders. Uh, 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 uh. And then someone chewed me out for anti-Asian racism. Yeah, you that can't. I, I mean. You can't make fun of the names. I've learned that you can't make fun of the yeah, names. Yeah, you shouldn't make fun of people for where they're from, even if it's lighthearted, I guess. I mean, I, there's a way to do it that um, I'm, I don't know how to do. Well, there, there's a way to do it without being offensive. Um, I think you can do it to people from Canada and America who are white, like you and me. Yes. We can make fun of each other. Like, yeah. like I could be like, what are those notes up there? Like a love letter to no one up, up there <laughs> on your cork board. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh, uh, Stephen's referencing a corkboard as and the fact that I'm very lonely. <laughs> no, I'm actually quite. I'm very, I'm very happy. Burn. Yeah, I mean, the general rule is you can make fun of whatever you are. So I can make uh, yeah. gay jokes and Jew jokes, right? Yeah, and I uh, since I'm um, a void, I get to make fun of the void. <laughs> <laughs> ah, those voids are so cheap. They're so lazy. You know, they never. 
They're always cheating you, those womanizing voids. Uh, well, w- w- what happened with YouTuber Lindsay Ellis? Can you, because I, I... Oh, I, I do know this drama. I can't explain this drama What did she do? So, Lindsay Ellis uh, is a YouTuber who is left-wing and is friends with all the other big YouTubers like ContraPoints, and they have their own weird insular community of big YouTubers. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, she because whenever you have like strident opinions or you take any position and you have a big audience uh people are going to come at you for even the mildest of bad takes um and if you have like a lot of mild bad takes build up over the years it can you know spill over so it happened to Lindsay ellis on twitter she had a bad take or i i guess it was a bad take um I'll, I'll I'll leave it up to the interpreters on this one to say it was a bad take. But she said the new Disney movie Raya and the Last Dragon was similar to Avatar The Last Airbender. And people said that was anti-Asian racism because, oh, this... So this animated movie with an Asian aesthetic is similar to the other animated thing with an Asian aesthetic. That seems kind of, you know, reductive uh, and a bit anti-Asian. And uh, Lindsay tried to tweet through it and failed. So she deleted her Twitter because what uh, had happened is people started bringing up her bad tweets from years past, including one very crazy one, which even I was like, okay, that one was very bad, where she she wrote about seeing the movie Harriet on a plane about Harriet Tubman and then wondering if there was any fan fiction between Harriet and her slave master, (laughs) which is, whoa! That's crazy. And, you know, I know that was a joke about, like, uh, about... Um, you know, people doing weird fan fiction about movies, so that would happen and that would exist, but, like, Lindsay Ellis has, like, a pretty middle-of-the-road audience, and that's almost a fucking come-down joke, so it's, like, it's crazy that she would post it. Um, that is, uh, why didn't she ever delete that one? She didn't delete, she, I don't know why she, I guess, you know, once you get big enough and you get enough praise, sometimes you get enough praise that for a while you're shielded from the idea that anybody criticizes you seriously. And until it, you know, all boils over when you do one take that's bad enough, especially, you know, during a time where people are are very sensitive as they should be about anti-Asian racism, considering, uh, been high profile, uh, a lot of high profile media stories about it. Yeah, it's, it's difficult when your brand, like your personality brand is your career. I can't imagine having to do mm-hmm. that. We should never do that. If the pod ever gets successful, I'm going to quit. Yeah, 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 me too. Yeah, we're both going to quit. F- screw you guys. Yeah, we're, gonna, we're both going to nuke screw, this shit. Screw you guys. We're going to our respective houses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like problematic Matt and Problematic Dre. Cartman. Problematic Cartman. Cartman, no. You're making me do transphobia. Cartman, no. (laughs) (laughs) Stop. Stop directing my head. Uh, uh, Is South Park on still? Yeah, still very popular. People love it. People see it as a source of irreverence. People still base their personalities on it. I got a little too annoyed with South Park because of their really lazy... Um, like production schedule they were like we're, we'll do three episodes a ha- every half year and the, so mm-hmm. it's like okay i can't i don't care put out more content put out a broadway play or something <laughs> jeez 
Yeah. Jeez Louise. I didn't see their yeah, play. I don't, care. I don't care about plays about Mormons. Yeah. The Mormons never did anything to yeah. me. No, as to paraphrase Muhammad Ali, no more. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> 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 don't Never finish mind. that sentence. <laughs> don't mm. finish that sentence. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> and I'm sure plenty of Mormons called Muhammad Ali that yeah. word. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Chet when he was that's short. A, that's through something Utah. Chet Hanks would say. <laughs> Chet Hanks would non-ironically paraphrase Muhammad Ali's Vietnam, Vietnam War uh, yeah. protest statement. Yo, people always be stunting on white women, but no white woman ever call me. Skull. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he should. Bumbaklat. Skull. Yeah, he would need to be disciplined by. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. Chat. You know, even though you're different, we love you very much, son. You know that, right? Are you being Tom Hanks? <laughs> I'm Tom being Hanks, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks sounds like nice Obama. I can't. I have one voice. I have one voice that oh, I do. Man. What does Tom Hanks? I can't do a Tom Hanks voice. It's pretty subtle. So are we going to cancel Fred Armisen for playing uh, Obama? What should we? Um, he's remember remember that? No, nah, because Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen is is most of the races, so he can get away <laughs> with it. I think that's that sounds like an argument he would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, as a bit. He's like, yeah. actually, I'm one percent of every race. <laughs> that well, kind of. You know, he's like, what is he? He's uh, his weird heritage episode. His dad was Korean, who was like a Japanese defector or something like that. Hmm. I don't know. And his his mom is Hispanic. I don't know what Fred Arm is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Doing doing racial quantums. <laughs> this this episode on Hassan and Climb, it's all racial quantum, mm. quantums. What percentage of the rock do you think is oh, which? Oh, 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 that brings up something crazy I saw on the news. Um, the, uh, there is this world wrestling match where the president, Vince McMahon, says the N-word multiple times. And... Like how long ago? In the nineties. Like so what the storyline is okay, that yeah. is that he starts listening to gangster rap or some or something <laughs> and so then he thinks that he can say the n-word and so he says it several times to like booker t who looks horrified and then he says it to the rock and then the rock knocks him out and puts him in a coma so the way that they set it up was it was like some kind of weird morality play <laughs> but uh the episode well, has been pulled finally from their streaming service yes. And yes, for NBC Universal is pulling all the racist episodes of. Um, I, I follow a lot of black wrestling fans on Twitter, and they uh, when this news came out, is like they're gonna pull all the racist episodes of WWE. It's like that's like half the episodes. What are you yeah. doing? Uh, that was WWE is very racist well, organization. I found, like the New York Times linked to the clip, and it was shocking. Um, so I can't believe like that was like in '94 or five or when was The Rock? Maybe it was like '98. Well, Booker T wasn't in the WWE until, like, the WCW crossover in, like, the 2000s. The Rock was hot shit in 97 to 98 in, in the when it was still the WWF. Well, The Rock made several returns. I mean, 
Yeah, but when his original heyday, the original rock fever of when everybody was saying jabroni was, and, you know, know your role and can you smell what the rock yeah, is this cooking. Was, oh, I mean, and, yeah, this was know. after the first rock um, um, popularity swing because Booker T was there. So, okay, it was oh, 2005. Dang. <laughs> that's even crazier. So that's even I don't know, you know, the 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 early the later it is. Yeah, John Cena cuz John Cena was crazy. there. I was like John Cena. Oh my god, John Cena was there. Oh my god. <laughs> then John Boy Scout John Cena looking very uncomfortable. But the thing is Vince McMahon is like he does say the word in real life probably. Yeah, Vince McMahon is like, uh, and uh, he is the um, villain. Is a is a bad man and his bad wife yeah. w- was in the Trump administration. Sure was, Linda. Uh, Shout out to Connecticut. Is that where they're <laughs> the worst that state where they're from? <laughs> yeah, that's where WWE is based. They're East Coast wow. elites. That's so weird. They turned yeah, the wrestling into a East Coast elite thing. Like, do they have? It, does Vince McMahon have a big dumb son who's going to take over? Well, he has Shane McMahon. Great. Yes, uh, Shane McMahon is actually. I don't know if he's going to take over. Shane seems to be. Uh, he he seems to be callow and does not have the killer spirit of Vince. Uh, but the daughter Stephanie McMahon would be funny as like the oh, new. Oh right, big of course, his daughter. She's gonna. She was married to Triple H. She's and still they're gonna to take H. over, right? That's that. That's probably yeah. the successor to the to the. Dude, Triple position. H, what a creep! Is yeah. he a creep? What oh, did he do? I just think he's a total creep. Yeah, um, probably. Do I... I mean, wrestling is a seedy and strange. Triple world. H controversy. Hold on, just googling up some controversy here. Just any yeah, controversy just... you can summon about Triple There's H. There's a quora page. What are the biggest controversies of Triple H? <laughs> Uh, biggest controversies of Triple H. Um, I don't know. I think I read an article about him, like a long form article. Uh, he's got plenty of controversies, but you can't search for controversies Triple H. I'd have to search for his real name. Yeah, something like Paul Boucher or yeah. something like that. But uh, I mean, uh, they've covered up murders before, so you know, world wrestling is no stranger to. Yeah, but uh, have they ever covered up a murder? The underbelly. Have they ever covered up a murder on live national TV? <laughs> <laughs> kind of with um, with uh, Owen Hart. You know, there's a lot of conspiracy theories about the death of Owen Hart. Um, is that related to Shawn Michaels somehow? Owen Hart was friends with Shawn Michaels and was generally part of the same group, but Owen Hart was Bret Hart's brother, and he died uh, descending from the rafters from an improperly fastened harness. Uh, they were trying to make fun of Sting in the WCW. Sting's popular move was to descend from the rafters. Not, not Sting, the musician, though. Not Sting, the musician. No, no. Uh, 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 that was uh, funny if Sting, the musician, on that note, <laughs> tried to wrestle on that note, I sing Fields of Gold to myself every morning in the shower. La da 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 da, la da 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 da, na 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 na. In your fields of gold, in your fields of gold, I will fuck you in the fields of gold. Wow, that's so nice. In the fields of oh, gold, yeah. in the oh, fields wow. of we need gold, some, like, water the sounds. fields of gold and fields of 
That's really cool. Um, in the fields of I'm gold. Of your neighbors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're they're lucky people. Uh, well, it's we did we did fifteen yeah, topics. Fifteen today. to sixteen topics. Fifteen so, topics. Fifteen to sixteen topics happy. today. Sixteen topics, and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. I can't believe there's a new Suicide Squad. That pisses me off so much. Thank you.